So many of us go to church week in and week out, and I often wonder, what do we really expect from the Lord when we come? What are our expectations when we come to church? Do we expect that God's going to radically touch your life, heal you, strengthen you, empower you? Do you expect that you're going to have an encounter? Or do we come to just hear a nice message, do our church duty, and then go home? I think that after we go to church for years and years and years, I've been going to church now for 30, as long as I've been been a Christian, I've been going to church, 33, 32 years. Yeah, 31, thank you. Melody knows better than I do. I gave my life to the Lord in 1992, so yeah, 31 years. Good job, good job. And so, um, you know, we should come to expect an atmosphere of God's presence. We should come to expect that when we step into his presence, our hearts and lives will be encountered and changed, that when we come, that we would experience something that shifts us from where we were before we got here to live differently when we leave. Every time we come, I think we should come to not just hear a good message, but to be challenged to live differently. But I also think that we should come with an expectation that we can really genuinely encounter the living God, and in turn, our hearts, our lives, and even our physical bodies can be healed and changed. And when it comes to healing, I think that so many of us just settle for the fact that it may or it may not, and when it does, it's going to happen in God's way and God's time, so I'm just going to sit back and not do anything about it. But I believe that we should have a desire for it and that we should pursue it and go after it every single time we come into God's house. When we worship, when you get in God's presence, something should shift in your life. Now, that's not always physical, but we should desire it and believe for it. It's in God's way and God's time. I do believe that God is a healer, but he doesn't always heal the way we think that he should or when we think he should. And the challenge comes when we come on a Sunday morning, we often don't expect that here now. Maybe that's reserved for supernormal natural, or maybe that's reserved for a special healing service. But I believe that anytime we come into God's house and if God's presence is here, which he is, then something should shift inside of me. I come desperate every time I come. I drag myself into the church, into this church so many times, not wanting to be here, barely breathing. Many times before I go to preach, I get diarrhea. I mean, seriously, I, I know it sounds funny to you, but, and I've told you guys that story, but I'm real and authentic about the fact that I still get nervous to this day when I preach. Every time. I, I'm not going to be pretentious about my position or my role or my desire. If I ever lose that kind of nervous vulnerability with the Lord is the minute that I think that I've arrived or I get pompous or arrogant and I get prideful. And I never, ever, ever, ever want to come into God's house expecting less than everything he has for me. Do you? I mean, I get tired of doing religious church duty. I get tired of coming to church not expecting God to show up in his power. Now, I guess I say that. For me, I've done this for so long that every single time I come, I come like a kid in a candy store. And my feelings or what's going on in my gut and my nerves, none of that's going to affect or dictate how I worship or pursue the Lord. I don't feel like jumping and dancing sometimes. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like standing up. I don't feel like going up to the front. But my feelings don't dictate how I'm going to worship. And I'm especially not going to let my fears or I'm not going to let physical infirmities keep me back from what God wants to do in my life. 
Healing can happen in all kinds of different ways. One of the ways that I get really excited about when it comes to healing is not just words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and a, and a lightning strike from heaven right now, though that really excites me. But as a shepherd, I get really excited about spiritual rehabilitation. We know about physical rehab. What about spiritual rehab? What about exercise and changing your diet? What about quitting smoking or drinking too much or stopping to do drugs? I mean, that's why we're here. We reach lots of people that are in recovery and coming out of addiction. Only 7 to 10% of people even read their Bible. What if I can just get you into God's word and get you nourished? You're spiritually malnourished if you don't spend time in the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So if we, if I don't read my Bible, I get spiritually malnourished. I'm, I'm deficient in spiritual vitamins and minerals. Do you understand that? So, so many people are coming to this church that have never been to another church before or hadn't been to church since they were a kid. We're genuinely reaching people that have never been to church. Lots of people that, that are coming straight out of the world with all their stuff into this house. And yes, they need a lightning strike encounter from the presence of God, and you're gonna get that here. But then you have to enter into spiritual rehabilitation. You need to get into rehab. We understand rehab from alcohol and drugs or sex addiction, what about rehab to live differently? And that's where God's word and the Holy Spirit and the power of God and community and family and real communion comes from. I talked with you a few weeks ago about what I believed real communion was. And that doesn't mean that we don't have our cup and cracker, but it's much more than a cup and cracker. It's about breaking yourself open and giving your life to one another, stopping to pray, communing, sitting at a table in your home showing up to meetings and say, let me, let me lay hands on you and pray for you. I'm gonna go to that prayer partner train. I'm gonna go to that house fires group. I'm gonna go to Redeemed on Monday night, whether you think you need it or not. You're gonna be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do. So we lay out these prophetic prescriptions. If you go to the doctor, the doctor more often than not is like gonna write you a script for your symptoms or what you need. So when you come to the great physician or come into his family, we write prophetic prescriptions. And it's not the same prophetic prescription for everybody. It's unique to you. You have to find your prophetic prescription. Is that simple enough? Like, and then we have to learn how to write them. That's where words of knowledge and words of wisdom come in. You know, my primary doctor, my primary care physician better have knowledge and wisdom about how to deal with the symptoms that I face. And I've got some great doctors that have helped me navigate this allergic response in my body that causes inflammation that makes it difficult for me to breathe. But I still always go to the great physician. Remember, Asa, late in his life, had an infirmity in his feet. This guy had seen the supernatural power of God. And literally in the last few sentences about his life, it says he had an infirmity. He chose to seek the doctors instead of the, the Lord. But see, you need both. Remember when I cast the demon out of the stripper girl and she sat up and she put her hands over her ears? I told her, you need to give your life to Jesus. She's like, I don't want to hear anything about him. He killed my mom. I'm like, I looked at her brother. I said, what's she talking about? She said, or he said, when we were little kids, we went to this 
crazy Pentecostal holiness church that didn't believe in doctors. So when the mom got cancer, they didn't go to a doctor because they only believed that the Lord was gonna heal her and she died. And see, God heals in all different kinds of ways. Right now, you can get a lightning strike from the Lord. I've seen it. You're gonna hear a testimony about a healing that happened yesterday, unexpectedly. Whether you expect it or unexpected, God is a God of the supernatural and can invade your space miraculously just because you showed up today. I'm proud of you for showing up. And many of us, are expecta- our expectations are very low. And you know what? I'm okay with that because God can handle low expectations. I'm not gonna put this crazy thing on you. You don't have enough faith and it's all according to your faith and you didn't have enough expectations so God didn't do it. I've watched God heal people with no expectation. Let's not box God in. Sometimes it's a lightning strike. Sometimes it's changed patterns, changed lifestyles, changed thinking. Corrupt thinking will make you sick. Stress will make you sick. Fear will make you sick. Sin will make you sick. So God has all kinds of ways to enter you into physical or spiritual rehabilitation or what I call spiritual therapy. It's like I need a therapist. You got a whole book of therapy notes and knowledge and wisdom and insight. If you'd start studying, that therapy will get inside of you because the word of God is alive and active. It's not like in any other book that you can read. So when you get the word inside of you, the word's alive and it germinates. It's this supernatural understanding that God's word quickens you and divides out things in your life, spirit, soul, joints, marrow, and exposes anything that's hidden. So when things get exposed, they get healed. Let's say that. When things get exposed, they get healed. Let's say it this way. God reveals it to heal it. That's why when people are manifesting and combusting at the seams and it seems like all hell's breaking loose, I actually rejoice because that stuff's been hiding up on the inside. Now it's coming to the light like a good refiner's fire, a silversmith. So I'm like, oh man, the devil, the devil. I'm like, no, the, the closer God comes, See, darkness can only manifest when light comes close to it. So now things are manifesting. The key is what are we gonna do with that manifesting of the darkness inside of us? Are we gonna let it stay? Are we gonna go covered up with drugs and alcohol at the Num Num Hotel? Or are we gonna let God deal with it? You know the Num Num Hotel well, don't you, Samira? <laughs> She's over here, big smiles, like, yeah, I used to live in that hotel. She did the weekly rate. <laughs> Sorry, just, but that's not who you are now. But it's fun to tell about that old you. It's okay to self-deprecate sometimes. I lived there for a long time, a long time. But the, the thing is, is that for me, for so long, I have battled asthma for so long. It doesn't dictate my confidence, my faith, my trust, my worship. And for years, my whole life, and even to this day, I'm seeking out with the Holy Spirit the core roots, but also trusting in the blood and the power to supernaturally heal me in an instant. 
Yes, I believe that by his stripes I was healed, but I also believe that there can be a process and it's in his timing. So I never give up and I never back down and I don't walk without faith and I don't live in doubt and I don't go, oh, woe is me, God, why? I believe for so long I must not have enough faith. That's the problem with so many other movements out there that pin it right back on you that you're the problem. And sometimes we are. But I'm not gonna put that weight on you to get you to doubt and disbelieve God in the goodness of God that he can't lightning strike you now. I believe right now, and you know how many people have prayed for me? You know how much prayer I've gotten in my life? Thousands. You know how many times I tell this story and then 10, 15 people come and say, I just feel this urgency, this burden. I just know God wants to heal you. Can I pray for you? I'm like, lay hands on me, let's roll. It's like, okay, because what if it's that next time? Or what if it's discovering things that I'm eating or drinking or I'm allergic to or breathing in that God says you need to cut that out? For some people, what if it's cutting out smoking? Diet Cokes, I don't know what it is. Don't get mad at me if you drink Diet Cokes. I won't look over here on this side. <laughs> so let me help you understand this context of spiritual therapy or, or spiritual rehabilitation. Luke 9, 1 through 6 Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, this would be the first time Jesus would actually send out the disciples to do what they had already been witnessing him do. Verse two, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. He told them to take nothing for the journey, no staff, bag, bread, money, not extra clothes. Verse four, wherever, whatever house you go to, don't be a house hopper. Don't be a house hopper. Stay in that house. Why do you think God would tell his disciples to stay in the house? True communion and true rehabilitation takes time and process and relationship. This is real communion. This is the process of therapy. How many of you said, I need to go to a therapist, and every week you go to a different therapist? Is that going to work? Let me tell you my story. They charge you several hundred dollars for an hour. The next week you go to a different therapist pay several hundred dollars for an hour, tell them your story, and then you keep doing the same thing. Will you ever get the therapy that you need? That's why Jesus would say, don't go from house to house. Verse five, or uh, whoever doesn't receive you, shake off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. Verse six, they departed, went through the towns, preached the gospel, and healed where? Everywhere they went, everywhere they went. Not just in the synagogue, they went house to house, healing, or they, the house they went to, they brought healing to the people's lives. Prior to Jesus sending out the 12 on their own, he had already demonstrated healing to them 10 times. So first they observed it, then he empowered them to do it. That's why many times Jesus would heal or cast out demons publicly. It wasn't about fame, notoriety, or posting it on social media. It was about genuinely empowering people because when you see it, you, it encourages you to have faith to believe that you could do it. If I'm the only guy doing it here, we have a problem. Here's just some of the, here's, actually, here's the 10 previous healings. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. He healed the leper who said, if you're willing, and Jesus said, I'm willing. He healed the paralytic whose friends dropped him through the roof. And, and that's a powerful story because when the paralytic was dropped through the roof, what's the first thing Jesus said to him? Your sins are forgiven. 
because the greatest and most important healing is spiritual healing. That's number one. Because I've seen, and Jesus did it. He healed multitudes. I don't know where they went. All I know is he, he ultimately would accumulate about 500 followers or so in those days. Some left him, some stayed with him. But what I do know is he healed the multitudes. I don't know exactly how he did it. We don't get that he went and had long prayer lines of laying hands on the sick or sitting down doing inner healing sessions. What we do know is he healed them. He healed the man at the pool of Bethesda who had the infirmity for 38 years. He healed two blind men. He healed the man with the withered hand. He healed the centurion servant. He healed the widow's son. He healed Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue's daughter. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. And then he would say to the 12, now I'm sending you out to do what you've been watching me do. So let's notice the pattern. In verse, let's go back to Luke 9, 1. The first thing Jesus did was he gave them power and authority. Now, I'm not going to do a detailed teaching on this, but I'm going to touch on it again. First off, you have to understand the difference between power and authority. Authority is the word exousia, which means the power to rule or govern. This is the power that an ambassador has. So I fully delegate to you the charge, the trust, and the name of the country that I'm sending you from. And now in the country I'm sending you to, you represent me fully as an ambassador. You're an ambassador, which means that when Christ is in you and you become sons and daughters, you now have a full-grown Jesus inside of you. You don't have a little bitty seven-pound baby Jesus. You have all of a full-grown Jesus inside of you. And every benefit that comes with Jesus is inside of you. But you discover that in the process of time, right? It's like you don't, you don't hand the keys to a brand new pick-your-favorite car. Whatever, what's your favorite car? What's the one car you want? What's the most fastest muscle car? A 63 Impala. So you don't hand the keys to a 63 Impala to a 13-year-old and say, drive away, especially after you put hundreds of thousands into, you know, restoring it and making it a show car. It's ambassador power. It's the power that comes from identity and full submission as a true son and a disciple. It's regal authority. It means that you're crowned. It means that God crowns you. He puts a crown on you, and it's a crown of authority to subdue and bring into subjection. To subdue who and bring what into subjection is the question. And Jesus made it very clear. The first thing, I'm giving you power and authority over what? Each other? Because the God of this world the enemy, the devil, Satan, and his minions, they're the ones that have people under their grip, under his grip and control. And there's a lot of ways that you set captives free from demonic oppression or possession. The first and greatest way is to get somebody born again, not tell it to come out. Because if you tell it to come out and their house doesn't get full of the spirit, it comes back worse than before. So we gotta always make sure the main thing's the main thing. There's always an and then what? So I cast it. Your answer to every question I'm about to ask you is and then what? So I cast the demon out of somebody. That's right. You got born again. You had an awesome church service. Man, worship was incredible and melted my face off. Man, I felt God's presence. I spent time in God's word today. 
because God always leads you to something more. And it's always about turning you into a true image and reflection of his glory and identity of who you are as sons and daughters first. I've cast demons out of people that didn't know the Lord, and I guarantee you they're either dead or the enemy came back worse than before. That stripper girl's a case in point. So the key is to make sure that people's houses get full. Now, it's not formulistic right? Sometimes you cast it out and the person's like, man, I'm, I'm, ready. I'm fully submitting my... Sometimes somebody's getting born again, surrendering their life to the Lord, the enemy manifests, they get free and they get saved at the same time. But what I want you to understand is what I care about and what I believe first and foremost, above and beyond anything else that Jesus comes to heal is to heal you spiritually, is to make sure that your spirit and your soul gets restored and that salvation truly comes into your life. But that doesn't negate the fact that I believe God can lightning strike us right now. And when I say lightning strike, I don't mean like judgment and people say, man, if I walk into that church, lightning's gonna strike. I said, bro, if lightning was gonna strike at Rock City, it would have done struck a long time ago. Let me just tell you. The minute about 80% of y'all got here, it would have struck. So it's governmental rule and authority, it's jurisdiction. Everybody say jurisdiction. A great way for me to say that is I have full jurisdiction on this property. We own this 4.4 acres. My name is the guarantor. Yes, we have a plurality of elders and board members. And, and in general, I would always make those decisions together with them. But let me make sure you understand, at any time, I can issue a no trespassing warning and say you are never allowed to step foot on this private property again. Right now, off. That's jurisdiction authority because we own it. Do you understand that? Now, the power to remove you is this understanding of the dynamite, explosive, miracle-working, dunamis power. But one of the things I want you to understand about power, this is power that first resides in you by virtue of who you are. This is why identity is key. So I have jurisdiction because of who I am as a son. I have jurisdiction because I'm the owner and president in a sense. But the true power comes from the innate understanding of who you are first by identity. Now because I know that I'm a son. Now because I know of who lives inside of me. You, you can mess with me, but if you mess with me, you're messing with him because he's in me. That's why when somebody that's possessed or oppressed or tries to put fear into your life, what's the first thing they do? They stare you right down in the eyes to see if you're gonna flinch or be afraid. And I, my flesh may be like, oh my gosh, this is insane. <laughs> but I'm holding focus, eye to eye contact. I'm, I'm not gonna flinch because I know who's in me. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that's a process of becoming, some of y'all were straight plum crazy. Christ comes into your life and over time, what happens? He shifts you from a crazy mind to a sound mind and then he gives you power, right? He gives you perfect love. which shifts your whole life. Now you live different. And I wish sometimes it would be overnight, but, but it doesn't always happen. In fact, most of the time it doesn't happen that way. That's why I tell all of you, stay the course, don't give up. Keep showing up. 
You keep showing up when you don't wanna be here like yesterday's men's meeting was straight fire. I mean, God showed up. We, men were repenting, crying, weeping, confessing. That was a men's meeting, laying hands on one another. Now I'm gonna tell you about something else that happened here in just a moment. But see, when you think about power, most of the time we think power just to, just to do the miraculous. It's much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's power to influence. It's power to gain wealth and resources. It's power to live morally. Because you can never do it in your own strength. Some of you are so defining yourself by your struggle, your doubts, your disbelief, your sin struggles. I'm not good enough. You don't understand the grace and the power of God in your life. You'll never be able to do it in your own strength. You need dynamite power that gives you the ability to overcome as a son and as a disciple. It's power for war. It's military might. It's military might. And guess what? You're not my enemy. Now, the, enemy, the real enemy may make you my enemy, in a sense, but I don't war against people. I war against the master puppeteer pulling the strings over people's lives. Do you see that? So you're given power and authority over what? Demons and sickness. Now, I want you to see specifically in verse 1, uh, it says to cure disease. This word for cures is the essence of my message today. The word cure is literally the word therapy in the Greek. It's therapy. It's therapeutic healing. It's this mindset that God puts you into process and you need therapy. Therapy means that you need somebody to attend to you. That's why community is so important. That's why house fires is so important. That's why we need each other. That's why we gotta get in the trenches with each other. That's why sometimes it takes a soaking prayer. His head is perfect for me to lay hands on right now. Sorry. You were just a target for me. My hands are cold, yes. But, but understand. I need some fire in my hands right now. Come on, Lord, no. So this, this mindset that sometimes it's not just one prayer, but continuous prayer. Sometimes it's soaking prayer. Sometimes it's coming to the altar consistently. Sometimes it's showing up repeatedly. And other times, the minute that I lay hands and pray on him, man, the power of God comes. The thing is, is it's how God wants to do it when God wants to do it, but we should be in agreement that God can do it. Do you understand that? And whether it's through therapy or let's go to the next verse, I wanna show you this other word in verse two. This word for heal here is different than therapy. This is different. The word cure is the process of therapy. The word heal means you're made whole in an instant. This is the word of, of when I give my life to Christ and I get born again, suddenly on the inside, there's a miraculous right now change. Now, I may not always feel it. When I, after I went through Hurricane Andrew, and, and literally, I'd been buried alive in my apartment. I was a deadhead. I was smoking pot. I was doing drugs. All I knew was that world. I didn't have anybody to mentor or disciple me. I'm living in a condemned apartment building that had water lines 13 feet up the side of the building. The hurricane smashed all the apartments into the hallway. I had nowhere to go. 300,000 people homeless. I had Jerry Garcia pictures on my wall, and I had all the horoscopes and marble all on my wall. I had crystals, I had Catholic candles. I mean, I was a mess. I was straight plum crazy. 
And I picked up my Bible. I had no answers. Nothing brought me comfort. I got high as a kite, did nothing. It was like being high in hell, meditated on crystals. Om, om. And om was doing nothing for me, let me just tell you. <laughs> and so, so I literally picked up my Bible and flipped it open. And I read the letters in red in Matthew 7 about Jesus building the house on the sand and the rock. I didn't have anybody there. I fell on my bed. I got into a fetal position. I cried out to God. The most powerful one-word prayer you can ever pray, help. And you know what? I can't tell you that I felt this warmth, oozing, oily, explosive thing. In fact, I felt nothing. But can I tell you what happened on the inside from that day? I was never the same. Because I meant it and God means it. And he's bigger than my feelings. Because when you cry out to God authentically, God shows up. And in turn, look at my life now. Do I still wrestle with some physical symptoms? Yeah, but though my outward man perishes. You don't let your flesh dictate your faith. Come up here. Yesterday, Mark comes. He shows up to lead worship. And uh, it's just a, it's an awesome morning. And he sings a song from his heart. People are weeping. God shows up. Presence of God. He does his thing. Same day, same thing. I don't think Mark showed up thinking he was going to be touched or healed. Did you? No. Tell your story. So uh, yesterday, I, um, just leading worship, and, and Michael Miller had uh, began to talk about his wife's experience with a gluten allergy. And I was, and uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I, I've had uh, this allergy for over 16, 17 years, somewhere in there. It's not like I'm not doing it because it's cool. Everybody doesn't eat gluten now. I have to, ex I have to explain that. I, I used to, every time I go to a restaurant, listen, I've had this for a really long time. It's not. I'm not keto. It's not cool. I really. Uh, anyway, so it's a long. Everyone that knows me knows I have to do that little spiel. But anyhow, uh, he talks about his wife and. And he mentioned something uh, that was interesting. He said that it was from a, a relationship she'd had where there was someone like lording over her. And I was like, well, no one lords over me. Like, I, I'm a lion. I like, I'm not, like, I, no one's, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that didn't happen to me. And so I'm like, that's not for me. And then so uh, we're walking out and I'm putting my gear up and, and it hit me about when I got diagnosed of, of a situation that I wasn't even processing. I hadn't processed it for, in forever. Um, when I came out of my experience where I grew up, I grew up in a really r rough place in Dallas and, uh, there was a lot of bad things, but I came out of that when I started to get into the, the world, uh, into the, to the, the, the free world where it was like actually making money legally. I, uh, I went to, um, <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is what the tax thing is for. And so, um, I'm being honest. And so I, uh, Pastor Marlene knows, she knows what's up. Um, and so, um, it was funny because the place that I started working for was, was, was a huge uh, gym franchise, and, and they hired two guys that were former, former mafia guys. And you don't say it because there is no such thing as the mafia. So there, there, is no, there is no mafia, just in case you didn't know that. But these guys worked for them. And I remember coming into that, like I had just started kind of having the spiritual awakening, kind of finding the Lord. Um, I, was in, I was younger, and I was trying to figure it out. And I met these guys, and like to give you a reference point, one of the guys was a tough man. Back before they had UFC, he would do tough man competitions and fight. Like he fought Mr. T, which is a random thing. But anyway, uh, these guys were like they were the real deal. They were not like it wasn't a joke, and they ran gyms. And so um, they taught me how to be a really, really well. They broke me really, to be honest. 
They're very overbearing men, and it broke it broke my spirit, broke who I thought. This gentleness I had about myself and taught me how to be very intense and very aggressive uh, and, 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 and make money, like, like a lot of money. But it, um, it, it shifted who I was as a man, and I didn't realize that because the way that it was done was, was done masterfully. It was, I don't know how to even describe it. Like they, they broke me but then built me back up and made me feel like it was the right thing. And it had, and I didn't think about it until this point, till, till Michael mentioned that. And I walked out and I, and we, and I talked with him. I said, Hey man, I think that was about something that happened with me as well. You know, I think that, you know, and so he, he said, well, let's pray, man. Let's, let's, let's deal with this thing. And so he begins to pray with me and I'm taken back to when I first came to Rock City and I, and I received the, the, the Holy Spirit and even before then, there was moments where I would just close my eyes and pray. And it looked like, um, you ever, with your eyes closed, looked at the sun and just see this brightness over your eyes? Well, it, I, I did that. And it's Michael's voice, but the voice sounds like the voice that I heard then. And I was like, this is you again, Lord. And, and it was just blinding over my eyes. And he was praying for me. And I can't honestly tell you what he said, but I was like not there. And I felt something touch my blood. I don't know how to describe that. But I felt like every, like, this this thing. And and Michael's like, I, said, I felt that. He's like, yeah, this is crazy. And, and so he's like, he said, uh, he said, uh, um, you know, I want to pray for you. Like, what's what's the thing you, you want to eat? And I was like, I really want to eat a cinnamon roll. I haven't eaten cinnamon roll in 17, 16, 17 years. And he prayed for me. And and, and Michael, jump in if you think, because I can't remember what he said. I'm. It was like so out of my body and so... Like, like pastor says, lightning strike. I'm like, ah, and so prays over me and, uh, um, and, and, and says a lot of incredible things that I can't remember. It's so incredible. Um, but we get in the car and I told my, and we get, we I get home and I told my wife, I said, listen, this happened. This is crazy. And I said, I think we should go to Cinnabon. Like, <laughs> and she's like, she goes, okay, let's do it. So we, so we go to Cinnabon and, and it was crazy. Cause I, I bought the cinnamon roll and I'm like, and I go to get, and I'm going to get the middle part. Like, if I'm going to die, I'm going out big time. <laughs> and so that's what I told her. I was like, if I'm going out, I'm going for the good part. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so I pull the middle part out, and then fear hit me. Like, I was like, <gasps> like, I was like, I, I was so afraid. Because I don't think, like, it's not like, oh, I get a tummy ache. Like, no, my ears clog, my nose clog, my throat tightens up. And I don't have to go into full, I don't go into full anaphylactic, anaphylactic shock, but it gets, like, right there. And I've never eaten this much in 16, 17 years. So I closed the box. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. Sorry. No, it's probably not real. That's, it's probably all. And so we're driving, and I, and I asked my wife in her, in her awesome wisdom, I said, I, said uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to do this yet. No, I'm not supposed to. And she goes, well, if you're trying to test the Lord, don't do it. But if you believe that God wants you yeah. to have something oh, that's good, man. and wants you to okay, enjoy now. it. Yeah. yeah. She said, and you believe that the Lord wants you to enjoy something and wants you to be free, then do it. But you don't have to. And I was like, I looked at her like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so we're driving down Saratoga and I was like, okay, Lord, I believe you want me to have this. And I just put it in my mouth and I was like, oh gosh. And so I'm like, start the timer, get my EpiPen ready. You know, I, and I, I, I thought that at first, and at first I thought that, like it was a split second thought, and I was like, no. I said, you, you want me to enjoy this? And so, I, but I did look at the time, I'm not going to lie. I was like, I know I have 15 to 20 minutes before I get to the full, 
full thing, and we're call driving. Me 15 minutes after. I it's called been it 15 minutes, bro. It's been 15 minutes. Yeah, I called Pastor Jeff. I was like, just in case, if it's at 20, I'm going to be at the hospital. Come get me. But no, 15 minutes was like, nothing's happening. And I was like, and so you have to understand the level of, 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 and like, if, so if I go to a taqueria and they give me like a, I get corn tortilla, if they make it around the flour within a few seconds, I'm like, my nose, like, <clears throat> like, it's just, it's bad, right? And so I'm really nervous about eating places and I'm really anxious about it. I don't try not to express it to my friends and family that go with me, but I'm just like, it's an anxiety anytime I go somewhere to eat. Anyway, so 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh gosh. So I call Pastor David. He's like, what? What? I was like, yeah. And so he goes, call Michael. So I'm calling Michael. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like it's now 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours. Yes. Today. And and I have had zero reaction. Um, and and my friends and family that know me know that I cannot eat like that. And so, and Michael's first word was, well, "Don't eat a bunch of cinnamon rolls and get fat." We have a whole other problem. I'm like, I know. Right. I, yes. Said, yes. I said, someone's gonna have to save me from that now because I'm eating cinnamon rolls all day. But. Um, but I just wanted to share that to say that I wasn't coming expecting to, to, to hear that. But the Lord, his plans and his mercy are so good. And so when we just come in community and we come around friends and family and we, and we have those moments, God can, God can do what he does, whatever he wants to do. But put yourself in position. Don't run and hide. Don't think that what you're going through, God doesn't see and that he can't touch and he wants to. And so I just want to share that with you. I am, and I can say this with everybody here. I'm healed from my gluten allergies. Man, so. amen you are. 